This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. 2017 is going to be a volatile economic year. We may see politicians throughout the world attempting to control central bank policies. Several renowned financial analysts have warned that political interference in central bank policies may mean our economic misses of inflation and growth targets. Gold is an international currency that can't be issued or controlled by governments. If you don't have the only hard currency that has outlasted every politician and every failed idea of governments for centuries, you need to speak to Goldline right now and learn how easy it is to add gold to your portfolio or IRA. Now is the time to diversify your financial portfolio by adding gold. Call 1-800-913-GOLD. Buying real gold is easy and fast at Goldline. And you're going to be happy that you finally made the call. 1-800-913-4653. Goldline also offers price protection against short-term market fluctuations on qualifying purchases. So buy with confidence. Read Goldline's important risk information and find out if buying gold is right for you. Call Goldline. 1-800-913-4653. And now, the Blaze Radio Network presents 40 Acres and a Fool. Here's your host, Cam Edwards. Greetings from the near frontier. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool here on the Blaze Radio Network. Cam Edwards, Missy, at the studio table. It's a kitchen table. Kind of kitchenish in the uh, studios of Cam and Company on NRA TV with you for the 101st episode. I'm tired. <laughs> the 100 episodes have worn you out. Huh? I guess so. Well, it's uh, it's a Sunday afternoon as we record the podcast, and it's been a very busy weekend for us. But I feel like we've accomplished a lot this weekend. Yeah, we did. So we let's start with uh, Saturday. Where we decided, I, I, I was desperate to get something in the ground so we could feel like we had started our garden. We've had tomato seeds, and they've started to sprout, some yep. of them. We've got little sproutlings here and there. Um, but nothing actually in the garden. No. And beets can go in, carrots can go in. I wanted them in. So <laughs> we uh, we had an issue where we, uh, if you follow us on Instagram, uh, you may have seen the garden on uh, at Corny Goat Farm, uh, where we got it uh, uh, plowed, and then we got part of the raised beds just raised, yeah, right? Raised. So then we're going to turn that some of that into a chicken yard. Some of it's just going to go back to grass. But the uh, the stuff that got plowed uh, has also now hardened, <laughs> and yeah. it's not fresh soil, and it's chunky. And we got out there with the rototiller, and the rototiller with its big, chunky wheels, not agile enough. We're putting too much torque on the on the wheels, and we're as they're falling down sideways. So we ended up losing, like, what, three tires? Three tires. Three I tires. bought two new ones, and I'm, now I'm going to see if I can take them to the local fix-it place and see. My dad said something about if I had some slime and a, a compressor, but I don't have either. So I'm hoping that the little fix-it shop has them both because they're $57 a tire. Yeah, I know. We can't. It's bad design, seriously. They should just be solid rubber. Well, I, I suppose they got to get attached to the rim somehow. Uh, I mean, they are tubeless tires. But yeah. look, look, the, the here's here's our foolish mistake. Uh, and we had we each I think had a foolish mistake this week. Um, don't plow <laughs> if you're just planning on a on an actual garden as opposed to, you know, planting stuff that requires plowing because um, it's going to be really hard to rototill afterwards. Well, we, I should have had the guy go back over to get. 
Yeah, or just scrape and level the entire thing, and then we'll rototill, you know, the what what's left. That's what I would have done. Um, now, my foolish mistake we'll get to in a little bit because that yeah, happened earlier that today. Was so we're still on Saturday, right? So we did so. get so we did get some of it tilled. We did get a big patch cleaned out, so we were able to plant what? Well, six packages of beets, but one of them is a is a, has three different colors in it. Mm-hmm. So eight different types of beets. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we we're trying carrot tape. Yeah, this is this will we'll have to. And that's uh, a, that's got three different types of carrots in it. Right. So we we have in years past just used carrot seeds. You kind of strew them because they're tiny about the, little seeds. The uh, the garden. And then they just they so they've always grown up in like clumps. And then you've got to thin them out. Right. And there are some parts of the garden bed that don't have any. And there are or some parts that have you know a ton. What happened a couple of years ago was we we. Cast our little light, and they're supposed to. They're really tiny, so you're mm-hmm. really just sort of strewing them across the surface and barely getting them down into the dirt. Well, we had a big rainstorm; it washed all the carrot seeds away, and we were finding carrots down in the watermelon patches. Right. So, yeah. Well, and also that was the year too that the carrots went down into the watermelon patch, and the watermelons and the pumpkins, which we had planted right next to each other, the squash, spaghetti squash, the, the viney over. stuff took over everything. The, yeah. We so did. I think we had like one bed of carrots that, yeah. that we were able to get some carrots out of so we're trying tape this year which is interesting um uh, you know pre-packaged and you still have to thin it out apparently right uh but we'll we'll let you know how the uh, the carrot tape goes and if anybody has any experience with carrot tape or any of the other taped seeds yeah i'd be very curious they sell them for beets they sell them for arugula i saw them it's for spinach and um radishes some one of the gardening catalogs i was looking at today yeah so So we do have some stuff in the ground and i feel better about that and every day for the next we've got about three weeks before uh, I'll feel comfortable putting the tomatoes in the ground because of frost, and they're not big enough anyway. Well, we had a late, we had a frost in May last year. We did, and that's what tanked out the blueberry bushes. Right. So we've got about three weeks to go over that plowed part yeah. by hand, break up the dirt, level it up, so that we can actually uh, then use actually the use the rototiller without right. killing the tiller. Yeah, exactly. So that was that was Saturday, right? Uh, and then. Uh, uh, Sunday was moving the hog day, moving the hogs day, and this is this is where my foolish mistake comes in. Because we keep them in electronet, and so what we try to do is where we move them all over. Or they're close to the house, and they're close to water, um, but we move them around so that they use up patches of the. Because they're they're fantastic little rototillers, mm-hmm. but they will decimate an area of green in a, in a matter of moments. It seems. Yeah. So it was. You know, I was moving them out of a ridiculously just flat dirt area, dry and barren. Well, this was their winter quarters. Their winter quarters. But um, it was good, so we were able to move the fencing around, uh, keep the house at one tail end, but then incorporate a really large, lush green area for them. Yeah, and so I thought normally what we do is we'll use the electronet and we'll kind of pin them up in a little tiny pin, and then we can move the fence around them. I thought, hey, you know what? They're pretty good about staying where they need to be. Uh, they're so food-driven. If we just put some food out and there's all the fresh grass for them to eat, they'll stay where they need to be. 
They did not stay where they needed to be. Nope. I don't think it saved us any time at all. Nope. Two of them went down to check out the chickens, I think. Yeah. And we're lucky that they didn't try to push in through the chicken wire because oh, I know. I was, I one was, of them got loose one day and there was a flock block in the tunnel. Mm-hmm. She totally broke that section of tunnel yeah. because she tried to get through the wire and broke all the welds. Well, Griddle was the one who was really fascinated by the chickens because she went down there not once but twice. The first time... We were working on the fence, and I looked up, and the pigs weren't – two of the pigs weren't around. The mom, Smog, and her nine babies were still there, but the other girls had ventured off. Right. So I start looking for them, and they're down by the chickens. So I'm able to get them back. I call them, and they're so food-driven that they follow me back. And then they realized I didn't have any food, and then they realized the chickens were really interesting. So uh, Griddle ended up wandering back towards the chickens, so I had to wrangle her. Uh, and it was, yeah, it was a bit of a pain in the in the rear, but they all are now in fresh green pasture, and it's lush, and it's pretty, and it's full of flowers and flowering weeds. And we're going back to my way next and, time. And this was an experiment, yes. So we have one roll of Electronet <laughs> that we haven't used so that we can set up a temporary pen, move all the other stuff, and get them into fresh pasture another time yeah that is uh that that's that's the better way of going about moving the pigs rather than you know oh no they'll they'll stay because because no, the big won't. girls are 200 pounds easy oh i know i'm pushing kind of <laughs> kind of pushing them trying to get tell them where they need to go and uh uh they didn't really want to listen no they didn't want to follow directions at all the babies were cute though running around in the grass they were even nibbling on it they are. I mean, they're still nursing, yeah. and and smog just like flops over and like come get it. And there's like a double decker. You got the lower level, and you got the upper level hogs. But uh, but they were they were already starting to nibble on grass too. Yeah. And so. it's, it's cute how they follow Griddle around. She's almost like okay. So Griddle is uh, about ten months old. She's an Asabao, and the other two are a couple of years old now. And they're sisters. They're American Guinea hogs. Well, the daddy was, I think, kind of like maybe Griddle's cousin or something mm-hmm. when he came over. Um, he was Asabao. So the babies are half. But it's kind of cute because when the babies aren't running right after their mom. They're running after Griddle, and she's just as protective of the mama is, but she's More sort of like, so, the, she's think, sort of like yeah. the teenage babysitter who's a little too hormonal. It's hilarious. Right, yeah. Yeah, we, we've, we've decided that she's the uh, the cool teenage babysitter yeah. as opposed to the mom. All right, we're going to take a quick time out. We have a lot more 40 Acres and a Fool still to come, including your thoughts, the email address, 40acrefool at gmail.com. Uh, again, on Instagram at Corny Goat Farm at Cam Edwards as well. And we'll be back with more right after this. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. The progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something. And progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com slash liars. Welcome back to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. So I have more stuff to talk about. I've, I've continued this theme of actually doing research and finding stories 
throughout the course of the week. I'm so proud of myself. Oh, so that people aren't bored listening to us. Exactly. Just blah, 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 blah. And then we went to the bathroom and we had to, you know, change the toilet. Well, actually, that was a few weeks ago. We don't do that bad. Oh, so anyway, if you wanted to see, uh, I used a, um, a plastic bag and a, a, a stick to make uh, row markers. And it looks kind of cool, and it's an easy way to use it, uh, to keep track of what you got out there. So it's kind of waterproof, and it's not going to go anywhere. So we put that on your account, right? Yeah, at Cam, Cam Edwards. Edwards on Instagram. So yeah, and if you like those, we're going to start doing more of those little handy tips and yeah. uh, and foolish moments. That that's the next step is we need to highlight on video our foolish moments like uh, leaving the pigs leaving out. Leaving the pigs out exactly. They just wander around the yard. <laughs> Uh, but as I was uh, doing research this week, I ran across. We were talking about the 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 uh, test tube meat last week. Oh yeah, I've seen yeah. more and more about that. Yeah, so CNET had a story a couple of days ago. Uh, impossible foods to supersize production of lab grown burger. Uh, they are planning now. This is not. Here's the thing. This is not a a. Um, uh, lab-grown test tube meat. This is basically a veggie burger that is supposedly tastes more like beef. So it's um, all plant protein, but they're so what they've done is they've added a, uh, a an ingredient called um, hemo uh, le, le hemoglobin or heme for short. It's the same. It, it, it makes it look like it has blood in it. I was just going to say that's that's the root word for blood. Like yeah, right. Heme is what makes animal blood red. It's found in uh, plants as well as animals. Um, so you add more to it, and uh, CNET says when the Impossible Burgers cook in a pan, they secrete a pinkish juice that resembles blood, and they also give off the smell of charred meat. So it's supposed to be a a more Lifelike, <laughs> or a a a veggie burger that tastes more less like a veggie burger. So, so why are you a vegetarian? Like, is it because you don't want to eat th- things that have faces, or you don't have issues? Because this can't be good for the people who also don't like genetically modified things. Like, there's no way that an anti genetically modified person is going to be like, yeah, let's eat that lab grown meat. <laughs> I don't see how that's not going to be a conflict of interest. Um, I, they, well, listen, there are certainly folks who are not consistent with their dietary practices. So they may very well be like, oh, yeah, I'll have that instead. Uh, no, I don't like genetically modified foods, but give me the burger that made of plant that tastes like meat. Give me that all day long. I mean, there will be those folks. I, I realize that's not consistent. No, it's not. Um, I, You know, we've talked about this before. There's the, the folks who can't eat uh, meat because of dietary restrictions or, or religious like, restrictions, but they want they, – they like meat mm-hmm. and they would like to have as close to a substitute as possible. Or the people possible. who get tick bites and now they're allergic to beef. Exactly, the lone star tick. Um, but here's the thing. This isn't going to replace – meat anytime soon. So Impossible Burger uh, or Impossible Foods sells this meat to restaurants. I don't think they're selling them to grocery stores yet. uh, CNET says um, they were sold at eight upscale restaurants in New York City, uh, San Francisco, Los Angeles. Uh, Now they're adding three new Bay Area restaurants to its roster, Krona Burger, Public House, and Vina Inoteca. So we're talking like $20 for a burger that's not a burger. $12 to $19 for a burger with sides. That's not a burger. Right. For fake food. Yeah. So. Yum. Yeah. So this week in fake food. uh, That might have to be a new segment here. Just this week in fake food. This week in fake food versus real food. Right. 
Um, one of the other uh, stories I thought was interesting, not even really a story, but uh, Reddit, the website Reddit, had a uh, comment thread this week. Um, what don't people, people who live in a rural area slash out in the country, what will city folk never understand? Yeah, that's funny. I, I thought this was interesting. Uh, and I, I scrolled through uh, the comments to, to just see if I could come up with an idea of like what were some of the big ones. One of the big ones was lights, the stars in the sky. Mm. And that was certainly something that we didn't realize because every time we, would, we went out and we would look at homes, it was during the day. Right. You're driving back maybe at night, but you're in a car. You right. can't look at the stars. Yeah. So it really wasn't until we moved and that first night we were there that it was like, holy cow. And the stars. Come, come out. out, right? And it felt like – it really did feel like it was a bonus. Like we didn't yeah. – it was one of those bonuses that we got when we moved. Like we didn't know we had blueberry bushes. Nope. We didn't know that we had fruit trees. And we didn't know that we could see the Milky Way right. on a moonless night. Um Yes, there were a lot of folks who were complaining about the slow internet. Mm. And, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? we, we know that feeling. Including one guy uh, on Reddit who has a uh, works from home and has worked from home for, I, I think, a couple of decades. And, and so he's, he's been on dial-up pretty much the entire time. He said, you know, now, thankfully, uh, Verizon has their unlimited plan again. But for a while, like, he had five gigabytes mm. per month uh, of data that he could use. Um, and then the the converse to that, not the people who work at home and have to rely on slow internet, but um, the folks who drive an hour to an hour and a half to two hours to the nearest city mm. for their job yeah. each and every day. Or to get something done. But right. yeah, that's a long drive. That's a commute. Yeah. Um, we also, uh, a lot of complaints about cell phone service, right? Things well, of that about, nature. How about for something people aren't uh, going to understand back in the suburbs on a nice day? You're just going to hear random gunfire. Yeah, exactly. That was another really <laughs> common one, right? And you're like, and you just in the city, you got freaked out by it. But in right. the country, that's just that's what it is. Somebody take it's practice, it's target practice. But. Sa- Saturday night, we were out uh, around the fire pit for the first kinda, time, and it, and it was, was dark. It was getting, it was dark. Yeah, it wasn't. The noise ordinance kicks in at eleven. So there was nothing illegal about shooting, but it was getting towards dark. Maybe you had a sight, uh, night sights on. Maybe. Or, uh, but, uh, yeah, it was probably, you know, 8 or 8.30. And all of a sudden we hear a guy go through a couple magazines worth. I mean, yeah. it, wasn't, it wasn't maybe but five or ten minutes. But uh, you just get used to that. And In fact, I like it. I, I don't mind the sound of people shooting because, to me, that's – that's freedom. That's the sound that you don't hear in the burbs. That's the <laughs> those are you know I'm I'm home. Yeah, I'm with my people. Yeah. Um, one of the other uh, 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 things that someone said was if there's a full moon, you can go outside and you can read a book mm-hmm. because it's so Sometimes. bright. I said I really feel sorry for people in big cities who've never really seen a night sky, but not just one night sky. I mean, getting back to that. Yeah. Like that's the thing. There are uh, there's a there was a book that came out uh, probably ten years ago or so called night and it was a history of nighttime Mm. and it was really really interesting because there used to be all kinds of different words to describe the different types of night like when you have a full moon and it's so bright that you can get out and you can garden and people would garden at night electricity right right okay and you could read by the light of the moon and then there's the pitch black darkness of a new moon and cloudy skies like it, it's it's amazing when you're in the city. The lights are the same lights yeah. every night, um, and so it is kind of interesting to to live out in the country and to see 
okay, well, tonight doesn't look like last night, yeah. and, and it didn't look like the night before either. Was There was one that I remember you reading to me. It was really funny because it was someone who was from the country but moved to the city, and they lost power for a few days, but they were afraid to use the toilet because in the country when you lose power, the pump doesn't work, so you don't have water either. So when we're getting ready to have a big thunderstorm, we'll fill up at least one bathtub So because if you have a bathtub filled up, you dip a bucket in there, you can flush your toilet. But if you don't have a bucket of water, you cannot flush toilets. So, yeah, I get it. So this guy is kind of funny because he's so used to being in the country where no electricity means no water. Now, the first time we had no electricity meant no water, I was like, oh. Oh, crud, I didn't even think about that. Like, oh, my God, we don't have any water. Right. Like, how long are we not going to have? Yeah. So. And, and now it's the, okay, anytime there's a possibility of storms, go ahead and fill up the tub. Yeah. That's why I said. I was like, right. we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do we'll, one tub. Yeah. We'll be good. Um, this was, uh, we'll, we'll do one more comment here. Uh, this was from uh, Jay Celsius who said, something little I noticed was city people don't get why you'd casually nod or throw up a hand to strangers. In the country, if you pass some old dude in a rusty Ford, he throws his hand up to you. You do the same. I don't know the guy, but it's a common courtesy. City people seem to think it's weird or even rude, but I like it. Says, yeah, I'm busy with my own stuff, but I have time to acknowledge you, fellow human. Says, that's the thing about being in the city. Although you're closer to all sorts of people, it can often feel like you've never been further away. Yeah, I can see that. I have a hard time. I love that habit. I have a hard time getting into that habit. I can't tell you how many times I've been driving the kids to school in the morning, and you miss, and and I and I miss my neighbor <laughs> waving to me, and my son says, "You know, Billy waved at you," and I'm just I'm waiting to turn. I'm lost in my own world. Kid three, I was I you were gone. I had to drive him. I'm waving, and he didn't see me. And kid three says, "You know, Dad always misses Mister. You know, <laughs> he always misses when he waves." And I'm like, "Here, I'm waving, and he didn't see me." It was kind of funny. So there you go. I I love that, but I've got to get more in the habit. Of that. All right. I would love to know what you think as well. What what don't city folk get? What don't uh, folks who've never been in the country? Uh, what do they miss about rural life? You can uh, again email us forty acrefool at gmail or you can find us on Instagram or I'm on Twitter as well at Cam Edwards. We will be back after a quick timeout, so stick around. There's more forty acres and a fool on the way. Forty acres and a fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss the Chris Salcedo Show. There is no provision in our Constitution that says that you have the right to health care paid for by your neighbor. It doesn't exist. Or any service for that matter. Why stop at healthcare? I want a house paid for by somebody else. I want a boat paid for by somebody else. I want my car paid for by somebody else. If healthcare paid for by somebody else is somehow virtuous and guaranteed, which it's not, then why not anything else? The Chris Salcedo Show. Weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. So I want to say a special thank you to Jeff Fisher, Jeffy, Glenn Beck's producer at The Blaze, uh, for having me on The Jeff Fisher Show this weekend. I'm sorry, by the way, that I didn't hand the phone off to you, but you were busy with the uh, rototiller at the time. Well, that's fine. I was working. <laughs> so Jeffy listens. Jeffy was uh, very interested in the pigs. Uh, we had a discussion about whether or not 
Happy Hogs really do make tastier bacon, and can you really taste the difference? Uh, he said, you know, look, he said, I grew up on a farm. I grew up with the free-range chickens. I eat chicken from the grocery store now. I can't tell the difference. I said, you know, you might not be able to tell the difference with chicken, but you can tell the difference with bacon. You can tell the difference with pork anyway because uh, if you go to the grocery store and you look at a pork chop in the grocery store, it is a pale, sad-looking thing. They did have their other white meat campaign for a while because mm-hmm. they were trying to push themselves with chicken. But it's that – it's you know flavorless, boring, lean pork. If you look at a heritage hog, it's red. It's, it's dark red, dark, dark pink. It looks more like – Beef, yeah. in some instances, um, there's much more of a flavor. the The mouth, the the fat is a different kind of quality altogether. It's just like lip smacking, unctuous, tasty goodness. It so melts in your mouth as does. opposed to like greasily coats your mouth. Yeah, exactly. It's that whole different thing. So yeah, you can totally tell a difference with hogs and pigs. Yeah. So anyway, thanks to Jeffy for uh, inviting me on, and uh, I really appreciate it because it gave me like 15 minutes away from the rototiller. Right. So uh, there you go. <laughs> Now, one other thing we should uh, catch people up on. You're feeling better. Oh, yeah. Right? Yep. Hair's coming in. Yep. You got a nice, thick skull cap of hair right now. It's all Short, salt. but it's thick. Salt and pepper. It's, it, yeah, there's a lot of it there. We'll push it's, it real good. Yep. Salt and pepper. Is that we'll salt and pepper? Yeah. I think push so. It. Push it real good. Push it real good. You can't sing it. Don't nope. sing right. it. You're going to get that edited out. Right. No. Nope. Uh, let it go. She wasn't singing. She was just kind of kind of humming along. Yelling. Yelling. That's it. all that was. Uh, but you have a CT scan this wow. week, right? Yes, this week. And so this will be. with the recording. So this will be the making sure that the chemotherapy worked and there's no spots or anything in my lungs. Are you nervous at all? No. No? No. I was I felt pretty confident that the surgeon got it out to begin with. Mm-hmm. When they said it didn't get out of the lung lining and didn't get to the lymph nodes, I felt pretty good about it. But it comes there's if you don't have the chemo, there's a fifty percent chance of it coming back. But after the chemo, then it brings it down to a twenty percent chance of it, which means that eighty percent people are completely cured versus it's fifty fifty if you don't have it. So I was going for the odds. So yeah. I felt like utter and complete crap for the four or five months while it was being done. But yeah, I feel really good now. Good. I feel mostly back to normal. I get tired quicker, but I know that every time I'm out there, I have to push myself a little bit harder to push to work on my stamina. I, I've been impressed. This was a busy weekend. Not yeah. not a busy weekend by cancer recovery standards. This was, was a busy, busy weekend, weekend by normal standards. Yeah, I'm and, tired. I, I mean, know. I'm. We took. I took ibuprofen, and we've been sitting here. And when we got up to stretch, and in between breaks, I was realized like my body is really getting sore. I'm probably have to take a. A hot bath and some Epsom salts later on the night before we close up. But yeah, <laughs> I'm tired. Well, you did good Thanks. this weekend. You really did. You did pretty good too, except for the whole idea about the hog fencing. But well, you know, live and learn. <laughs> I thought it would save us time. <laughs> I thought it would be a time saving measure, and they really were pretty good. They were, and, and you it, got a little extra, extra exercise chasing yes. them around. Yes, I wish and I had a, a, a better camera. I would have recorded that. <laughs> that was kind of funny. That's okay. We'll. Uh, We'll, we'll record the, the foolish moments at some point It was cute, in the though, future. afterwards, sitting in the grass and having them come over and check us out. And even the babies were coming closer. They were. They get used to us after a while. Yeah, that's my favorite part. After we move them, it's nice and clean. You can sit down. You know, they haven't peed or pooped anywhere. Yeah. And, uh, 
and you just sit down, and they'll come over, and you scratch their back, and you scratch their face, and they like their ears. They're like dogs. They like to have their ears rubbed behind. They have like the bellies rubbed, and they get like the big scratches. And sometimes they'll go, they'll lean into you and lean over. They fall over with because they're they're so they're loving to get the lovins. They they love to get loved on. Yeah, they like big dogs. That's the thing about them. Like people don't realize it. And pigs are like the fourth smartest animal. I learned that on one of my like. Uh, watching animals shows on those weird – I can't remember what the actual – it's one of those pet channels. Right. But they were talking about different animals and different pets and what's the smartest. And pigs are higher than dogs on the smart scale. They're under – dolphins are supposedly smarter. Like I don't know if they put gave a pig a t- IQ test and a dolphin an <laughs> IQ test. And the dolphin probably cheated because I've heard dolphins are kind of like that. But, um, but anyway, they're like apparently a real smart. And I get it. Ours are pretty smart. They 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 learn your voice. They they people mean food. Yeah, they're 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 smart. I I don't know how smart our pigs are, but they definitely have personality. Yeah, and I know people say, well, does it make it harder to eat them? No, no, it doesn't. It it. I mean, we. It makes reason- it. I mean, look, it makes it hard to have that moment where you have to take their life and harvest them. Like that always sucks, and I yeah. think that always will suck. But I think that it. It's Makes okay. More. Yeah, it's okay that it's hard to do that. But the the other alternative, and I just come back to this: the other alternative is that they don't live at all because there's no need. If we're not eating these animals, there's no need for these animals to exist. Right. So what's better that you never exist, or that you get a year or two of you know living awesome high life. on the hog, yeah. right? Uh, and and then you. You become somebody's delicious dinner. I I think it's better to have that life than to never have that life at all. I could agree with you, and that that whole um, that whole adage "happy as a pig in blank." Mm-hmm. It, they should change it because our hogs are happier in green grass. Oh yeah, they are the happiest. They're actually you can see them smiling. Yeah, so. now it is getting warmer, and so I don't know if that's why they've been tipping over their. Uh, their water dish. And they want a mud spot. Uh-huh. That might be it. They do uh, but we also noticed that there was uh, – we were really getting some, I think, iron in the uh, in the, the pump water that was coming out. Yeah. So we, we're, we're doing some hose experimentation uh, to see if that was part of the problem. Yeah, we just had like iron collecting in the, in the old hose. Hoses, yeah. Old water hoses. They might just the water pressure. Up. It was really weird. And it, it, we'll let you know. This will be our update. But this is our conundrum right now. We're trying to figure out why – this one hose that we had had awful water pressure. The pump itself seems fine. Yeah, when you, it seems like it's pretty strong when you don't have a hose attached to it, but it's like trickling by the time it gets to the end. And it's not a very long hose. No, and there weren't any kinks in it, but we think there might just be buildup on the inside. Yeah, so we're uh, we're going with a new new hose option to see if that works. But we needed uh, a new one anyway. It was. I think that was like that was one yeah, of the hoses that came with the house. I think. Well, the original, the darker one that uh-huh. had sprung a leak, that was here when we got here. A couple of these are newer, but they're, like, right after we moved here, newer. Okay. So. And I think they were basically garden hoses because we didn't really know what we needed at no, that point. we didn't. So. We didn't, like, let's just get this cheapo brand, and then you realize it's, like, that conversation we were having earlier about you buy a $100 pair of boots, and they're going to last a lot longer. But if you can't afford the $100 boots, you buy the $50 boots, but then you're paying through, you're buying three pairs. to. That's what it was with the garden hose. Like, right. I bought a cheap garden hose hoping it would work out, but it never – like the one in the back, it mm-hmm. never uncoiled from its being – so it's always kinks. Yeah. So you, you try to water here. That's what the cheap garden hose gets you. You have to, you, 
spend way more effort and exercise trying to get the stupid thing on kink so you can water something. Right. So, yes, I'm hoping that the kink-free hose that we bought yes. uh, will be a time saver for us. Yeah, definitely. All right, we're going to step away for just a moment or two. When we come back, we have some emails from you to get to. 40acrefool yes. at gmail.com, at Cam Edwards on Twitter, at Corny Goat Farm on Instagram, at Cam Edwards on Instagram. But uh, the email, that's the best way to uh, get a hold of us, and we love hearing from you. So stick around. We've got more 40 Acres and a Fool right after this. You're listening to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-803-6951. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. So in Indiana, Trent Marsh is getting ever closer, Trent Marsh and Melody, getting ever closer to due date. Oh, I have to finish the blanket. I have to— You better finish that blanket. Yeah. I just have to steam the edge and put the zipper in the jacket. Babies are coming soon. Well, it's not like you're going to grow out of it in a month. That's true. Uh, Trent wrote in. He says, congrats on 100 episodes. Thank you for letting us invade your space and prod around in your adventures on the farm. Well, obviously, Trent, you're very welcome. We— we obviously have a, that that uh, exhibitionist streak in terms of our a little uh, bit. farming, right? Well, a little bit because we also don't really like much with social media. I got a, uh, somebody, uh, Larry, who is really great, follows us on Instagram. We sent him a bottle of hot sauce. He was he wanted to start a fan page, and I'm like, that's really sweet. I but then I don't have any control over it, so I might have to start a corny goat farm page on. Facebook just for people to get their fix, apparently. Yeah. That well? Instagram isn't enough for them. No. No. Well, I have not been very good about being on Facebook, so maybe that would spur me to get back on Facebook. And I'm on Facebook, but nobody can find me because it's good like that. Right. It's just family and friends. Like, I don't need – it's not a – it's not a – it's a personal Miss page. Miss E needs her needs her public page. Yeah, Miss E needs a public right. page, apparently. I, I guess I'll make a – you can show me how to do a, a real – a corny goat farm page on Facebook later tonight. All right, we'll do that this week. Um, Anyway, Trent says, I'll be starting seeds this weekend. The ducklings are moving from their brooder to their house, and I'll likely be moving the chicks to the coop and the puppies' old crate so so the older girls can get used to them. Yeah. The four new chicks has turned into five. My brother-in-law bought six Cornish crossmeat birds, but one of them certainly isn't. Oh, dear. (laughs) Uh, It's far smaller. And feathering buffer red, so I've adopted it for the time being. It's a couple of weeks behind the Easter Egger pullets that I have, but they're doing fine. Trent says, I'll be done subbing for a while at the end of March. In addition to still searching for a full-time real job, I'd begun looking for work that would carry through the summer, not much subbing during summer break. No. Oh, there's always summer school, though, Trent. That way, <laughs> you could be like Mark Harmon in that uh, fantastic movie starring Dean Cameron, who's... Uh, an official friend of Cam and Company. Is he? He is. I'm pretty sure that there's nothing like TV is how summer school really could possibly <laughs> I'm, be. I'm sure you're right. Uh, Trent will not be spending the summer in summer school. He says I'll be doing aerations and mosquito spraying for a lawn care service in town, putting that degree to use 
hey, buddy, uh, you can talk to our oldest daughter about putting degrees to use. You know what, too? It's not even that. It, it, it's, it's okay, you got a degree. You, you stretched out your brain. You, you, got it, you got a piece of paper. That's all well and good. But it, it, I grew up with a, you get a job no matter what kind of job. You just have to get a job, whether you're digging ditches or you're doing something important. Uh, any kind of job is a good thing because then if you don't like it, you still work at it, but you work harder to get something better and you work harder to better yourself. R- Mike Rowe and I are kind of like that. We we think alike that in that regard. Yeah. Because he had something the other day on his Facebook about, like, you know, you just get a job and you work uh, the best that you can no matter what it is. Right. Um, Trent says, uh, talking about uh, the, the Twitter burnout, the social media burnout, he says, I understand I'm burnt out on a lot of things, and the election cycle helped none of it. Oh, yeah. Okay. I started looking closely at what, uh, what it was that made up my Twitter feed, and largely it was things that didn't make me happy. Uh, Twitter is, for the most part, an opt-in proposition. I just started opting out of the things that made Twitter insufferable. Granted, he says, it was a little easier to do because I don't have to concern myself with staying connected to anyone or anything for work purposes at this right. point. But I scrubbed about 150 of my 550-ish followers. It was like the first day of open windows after a long winter of the house being closed up. (laughs) He said there are a few news outlets and personalities that I trust that remain, but largely I reshaped my Twitter feed to be things that make me happy. Friends I've made, accounts full of fishing pictures, garden pictures, and ag accounts. Instead of the outrage du jour from the seemingly endless army of professionally offended chills on the left and right, my timeline is now 90% Chicago sports news, people smiling, holding bass, piglets, chickens, tractors, tomatoes, and that's what she said jokes, among other friends. That have never met each other. Twitter, he <laughs> says, is a much more enjoyable place now. Uh, winter, by the way, he says, still needs to end. I have 3,000 square feet of yard that I need to level work and reseed after the great septic system failure of 2016. Mm. And I'm growing impatient. Yeah, because they, they, they still had some snow. In it places. should be a bumper year for impatience, though, uh, Trent. I, I think, you know, <laughs> uh, lots of folks growing impatience this year. So I wish you the very best. And uh, I want to see pictures of the ducks. We grew impatience. Impatience, yes. In Oklahoma. We did. You're right. In our, our, our first little flower garden. Yep. Uh, also heard back from the uh, folks at Pecan Grove Farm and Garden, Sean in Tahlequah, Oklahoma. He said, uh, after hearing last week's episode, I thought I would answer a few of your questions. You had asked how that tiny tomato tasted. Mm. The really super yeah, small super one. super tiny one. He says, personally, I don't care for raw tomatoes. Sorry, Missy, with one exception, (laughs) when they're in salsa. But my wife, Joy, loves them, and she told me that these tomatoes were actually quite tasty. Okay. The one I showed you last week, he says, actually didn't get eaten. I cut it open to try to save any seeds which may have formed, which there was one. I was going to say, those tiny tomatoes don't have many seeds in them. Yeah, no, but uh, but there was one tiny tomato. Tiny, tiny seed. You can, Sean sent along a picture, well, and you can see the tiny little seed. Well, it's kind of funny. When we were planting all our tomato seeds, you could tell the difference in sizes from where you had the the little tiny cherry tomatoes versus the beefsteaks. All mm-hmm. of a sudden, the tomato seeds, you could almost see the difference. Yeah. Sean says, uh, the seed, by the way, never germinated. He says, I'm all for the selective breeding of plants. By taking the seeds from the desired plant, you keep the stronger, more desired trends in genetics while reducing undesirable ones. It's quite fun, he says. This is how we end up with so many different varieties. He says, uh, this is not the same as genetically modified foods, not the same as hybridization. He says, uh, as I'm sure you're aware, GMO seeds are developed in the lab by changing the genetic material. Hybrids are created by cross-pollinating. That is, he says, taking, for example, pollen from a red tomato to fertilize a yellow tomato and getting an orange one. End of today's lesson. Uh, You know, by the way, speaking of the GMO food, I thought it was interesting, uh, and, and speaking of Twitter, 
So Cargill, the big ag company, came out this week and said that they were working with the, I think it's the non-GMO project, uh, and they're proud to support the non-GMO project. And a lot of farmers lost their Schmidt uh, at Cargill because, and Cargill kind of did the back, corporate backtrack of, hey, 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 we still support, you know, GM foods and we support the non-GM foods. Like we want to, you know, we support everybody. And I get that. I Frankly, I have that attitude too. Like I grow heirloom seeds, but I think that there's some genetically modified foods that are pretty incredible, like golden rice that mm-hmm. have, you know, hugely benefited uh, mankind. But the non-GMO project wants to ban uh, GMO seeds. We just wanted, they wouldn't want to get rid of it. So you had a lot of farmers who were saying, hey, Cargill, um, you're talking out of both sides of your mouth here. You know, you're saying you want to support both sides, but you're working, you're getting in bed with a group that doesn't, doesn't want, want one side to exist. Right, exactly. Uh, so I thought that was really interesting, and I, I'd be curious to uh, to get your thoughts uh, on, you know, working with a, 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 a group like the non-GMO project. Um, and, you know, does that make you feel better or worse about uh, the, the quote-unquote big ag uh, companies? Sean also says uh, cacao in Oklahoma. Uh, we decided against this. We didn't realize that cacao trees could get much bigger mm. than what our greenhouse could handle. They get 15 oh. to 25 feet tall, and our yeah. greenhouse is 8 feet tall. Yeah. They need to make dwarf cacao trees, like they have dwarf apple and dwarf cherry. I bet you could probably um, prune it down because I've seen small cacao trees being worked in South America. It might just be the type, too. Yeah. There's Indonesian cacao. There's South American. There's parts of Africa that grow it. Um, there's different types of cocoa plants all over the place. So, uh, One other cool little story. We had uh, we had a bit of farm keology this weekend as we were down in the garden area and uncovering some uh, uh, plate fragments and looks like a little bit of uh, pottery or, yeah. or crock pot of some oh, sort. Yeah, we're always finding weird stuff. Even after this many years of of digging and rototilling, we're finding lots and lots and lots of rocks and the occasional yeah. pottery shard. It's pretty neat. And uh, Sean says, my brother in law was out on our property with a metal detector and found something rather unusual: a lead bullet, hmm. which we believe, based on pictures we've seen on the internet, was from the time of the Civil War. Sean says, I didn't know that battles took place in this area. The bullet's been fired and did hit something based on the deformations that we saw. Unfortunately, he says he hasn't taken a picture of it. Um, you know, Sean, I mean, obviously at the time, Tahlequah was Indian territory, right? So that was um, kind of no man's land. It wasn't a formal part of the Confederacy, although there were some Indian tribes that uh, that, that uh, sided with the Confederacy, and there were some Indian tribes that sided with the North. So there weren't any huge battles in Oklahoma during the Civil War, but there may very well have been some of that low-level partisan fighting that went on mm. in the border states. Uh, you know, it, the Civil War in Missouri and the Civil War in Texas and the Civil War in Arkansas, well, Arkansas not so much, but uh, in Oklahoma, uh, in Kansas, was a, a a different kind of war compared to the war in Virginia where you had, you know— armies of 150,000 people that would gather and fight. And the border states, it really was neighbor versus neighbor. And it was a lot messier. It was a lot more brutal, quite frankly. Hmm. Uh, I mean, the Hatfield and McCoys 
got started feuding because of the Civil War. Oh, that's what that started. Mm -hmm. It's a famous feud, too. Yep. So it it may not have been, you know, a a, a battle. Uh, It may also have been from the post-Civil War period. Uh, You know, Oklahoma in the 18... uh, early 1870s into the 1880s, that was where there were a lot of Wild West outlaws hanging out, Mm because, again, it was Indian Territory. So... If you could rob a bank in Kansas and you could make it to Indian Territory, the only only law that was coming after you was the U.S. Marshals. Yeah. And they there weren't a whole you. lot of them. Right. Right? Now, you would have had to deal with Judge Roy Beam, the uh, hanging judge there in Fort Smith, Arkansas, if you get caught. But uh, uh, Lord knows that there were enough outlaws like uh, Bell Star and uh, the Younger Gang hanging around eastern Oklahoma. So... Who knows where that bullet may have come from, and who knows who may have fired that bullet. That's pretty cool, Sean. That's interesting, though, to think about, though, that the Civil War that went that far west, too. But I remember reading something about um, there was a, a unit in Texas that tried to use camels instead yeah. of horses during the Civil War. And I was thinking, I didn't really—it was all the way to Texas, but yeah. It really was. Uh, so, Sean says, take care, be well, as always, have a better day. Well, you too, sir, Sean. Thank you very much for uh, writing in. And, fortunately, it's about time for us to say goodbye as well for the week. So we will say goodbye. Do you have any special closing thoughts? I think I forgot them. <laughs> I'll try to remember them for next time. Darn that short-term memory. Oh, it's horrible. Between the ringing in the ears of short-term memory, it's it, – there's – there's uh, it's – chemo has done a couple of wonky things to me, but I'm still here, so. Well, Missy e says she's uh, feeling confident. I'm a little nervous, so if you would please keep Missy e in your thoughts and your prayers this week as she heads in for her first post-chemo CT scan. Uh, we will be back in just a few days with episode 102 of 40 Acres and a Fool. But in the meantime, be safe, have fun, live a little, learn a lot, and we'll see you here soon with more 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network.